Some days life feels perfect Other days it just ain't working The good, the bad, the right, the wrong And everything in between So it's crazy, amazing We can turn our heart through the words we say Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak life Feels perfect. Other days it just ain't working. The good, the bad, compassion, mountains crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. So speak life, speak life to the dead and darkest night. Speak life, speak life when the sun won't shine and you don't know why. Look into the eyes of the broken hearted. Watch them come alive as soon as you speak hope. You speak love. Technology, technology, technology. Thank you all for tuning in with us this Saturday morning, new for Butterfly Evolution. Don't usually do Saturday mornings, but thank you all again for tuning in with us. We have a very exciting show scheduled this morning. I have Greg Whitaker, calls himself the Debt Shepherd, and he's going to tell you a little bit about himself just 
shortly here. But again, housekeeping things want to remind you guys that the chat line is open. If you have questions, comments, you can chat with us there. In addition, our phone line is open. You can always dial in to 818-691-7406. You do have to select the number one in order to be brought into queue so that we'll know that you have questions and comments there. So thank you for that. We are also wanting to remind you of our trash can concept. For those of you who are not aware, uh, we have a little baby that we call our trash can concept, and what we ask you to do is move your trash can from its old location to a new location and preferably use a trash can that you frequently visit. In doing so, what you will find is you will often return to the old location when going to throw something away and allow that to help you realize how often we keep up with even the smallest things that we do. Our mind just kind of leads us there. So just just keep that in mind as you continue to go back to its old location. And, again, we do that in life. We just get used to things and we just uh, go back because we're comfortable there. So moving forward, Greg, are you there with us? Yes, I'm here, Tammy. Good morning. Good morning to you. I want to thank you for for being a guest with us, especially on this Saturday morning, kind of out of the norm for us. So I want to thank you. Uh, Would you go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself, tell the listeners who you are, what you do, and give them all of your information, and then we'll have you do the same thing at the end of the show. So I'm turning it over to you. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm a regular guy. I'm not an Ivy League-educated guy with a degree on the wall, just a normal Joe who happened to, 13 years ago, decide that I was tired of making six bucks an hour um, working at a a TV studio and needed to put a little more bread on the table. So I did a little bit of self-study and ended up working in the mortgage business. And the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of people, because of the way this topic of money is is handled in the media and in society, we're kind of led to believe that we have to have some sort of a special education. We need inside information from people that are uh, maybe smarter than or richer than we are and that is absolutely not the case. I walked in off the street literally um, and got my first job in the mortgage business. That was back in 2000. So um, I'm just a normal guy. I'm really a teacher at heart. Um, I'm still in the money business. I'm still in the mortgage business. So a little bit of an insider, if you will, but not at the Wall Street level. I work at um, what I would call a small to mediums, uh, medium-sized bank that's out of Blytheville, Arkansas and we happen to have offices in Nashville. I'm not here to plug that. That's on the professional side. We're here to talk about what it would be like to be debt-free, and that's really my favorite topic. So if you're interested in my weekly podcast, you can go to DebtShepherd.com, and it's spelled D-E-B as in boy, T as in Tom, Shepherd, S-H-E-P as in Paul, H-E-R-D.com. And I post once a week, usually on Thursdays, and I usually go – 10, maybe 15 minutes, so you can digest that stuff pretty quickly. Um, And just be forewarned, I don't talk about money in the usual way. I take psychology, spirituality, and I sprinkle a decent dose of money in there, but I mainly deal with what's going on in the mind and in the heart because it's really all connected, Tammy. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I liked about when I read, went over and was kind of doing some study on you. People don't really understand how – 
how often we spend based on how we're feeling and what's going on in our lives. We kind of do it or look at money even differently, how we saw our parents, um, you know, manage money as well. But I heard you say self-study. You, you, you kind of got into this thing by doing, doing your own self-study. I think that's amazing as well because many people don't read, don't study things that they're interested in. We think that we just have to go to school for things. And, and I'm not knocking school, but not everybody can go to school. So um, I like that. So what what kind of things would you say or books that you've read uh, would you suggest as far as self-study? Well, the book that I'll recommend is what I would call a book that's under the radar. It's not what you call mainstream. Um, and it's if, if there were ever a book and you were to say to me, Greg, and all of the dealings you've ever had with money and everything you've ever learned about how money really, really, really works – what would be your number one recommendation? So if you're listening and you have a pen or a pencil, I definitely recommend you write this book down. It's got a really funny name, but it is a bombshell of knowledge. It's called The Creature from Jekyll Island. The Creature from Jekyll, J-E-K-Y-L-L, Island. You can go over to Amazon and find that book. You can get it used, I would say, for less than $10. Um, That book was one of the few moments in my life when once I read it, my life, would never be the same. It was forever changed, and it's been changing ever since. So that's probably the first primer that I would recommend. Um, if you don't understand how money works, and it isn't boring and dry and Wall Streety like I like to say, it's the real deal. You get to really see how money is actually created. Once you get that one under your belt, you may need to read it a couple of times. Then you can start thinking, hey, you know, how can I get started? Maybe changing my own finances. Uh, but you don't need to read the book before you change your own finances. But if you're, I was going to point you in the direction, that would be probably the first one you need to read, The Creature from Jekyll Island. And how does one change their own finances? I've kind of, again, just pondered around your sites and some of the shows uh, or the blogs that you did. And, and one comment I liked among many, you say that making more money is not the problem it is what we do with our money now that is the problem. How or what ways um, can we learn to do better? Well, first of all, that statement is probably well, – no, let me change that. That statement is the most powerful few sentences I've ever heard, and someone who got me started back in '06 when I really started to turn it around. My wife and I, of course, I'm married. Um, I don't own that quote, but I have always kept that close to my heart. This is probably the biggest delusion or illusion that we suffer under as a people here in the United States, and I really think around the world basically, is that thinking if we just made more money, then all of our problems would go away, our life would get better, things would begin to turn around. There is nothing further from the truth. We have to learn to properly manage what we're making right now before we can even begin to look at making more money. And the prime example, Tammy, would be the big lottery winners. You know, you study those people. That's an unusual amount of, of money coming into someone's consciousness very quickly. Most of those people lose that money within about five years. It's gone. Wow. Okay. So the, the, okay. the deeper lesson is simply this. Making more money is not the problem. What we do with the money we're currently making is the problem. And then it goes even deeper than that. Money is not the problem. 
Money is a symptom of a deeper problem, and I don't mean to put us all on the black leather couch and try to shrink our heads and go Freudian. What I'm saying is this. If I stink at handling $20,000 a year, I am definitely going to stink at handling $200,000 a year. You follow me? Right. Okay. And that's, okay. that's a tough one. Well, people can't get past that. They just can't because we're bombarded in the media with all of these shows of rich and wealthy people, and they're doing all these things, and they've got all this stuff, and we really long for more. And the biggest thing that I try to share with people is, is you're taught by society to add something to your experience. What we need to do is subtract a few things from our experience, the first thing being debt. Okay. Now, what do we do when we find out we sink at 20000 I mean, what's the first, what would you say the first step for someone who's at, for our listeners, and they just keep finding themselves right back at this certain place, and we sink. What, what's the first step you would say one needs to do um, on that journey of becoming debt-free? Um, well, I think first and foremost, let's just say I'm sitting down right now for the very first time, and I'm deciding I've had enough. I want to change. And it doesn't mean I'm in bankruptcy or foreclosure. It can, I can be anywhere on this, this spectrum. We're all in a different place. So the first thing I would say is I would recommend you're not alone. There's someone who's where you are, and there's someone who is in worse shape than you are. Always and forever, that will be the case. So you just have to look at your situation, whatever it is, and just take it for what it is and say, this is my starting point. Whether you have children or no children, dad in the house, no dad in the house, a bunch of money or a little bit of money, it doesn't really matter. You just start wherever you are. So if you're at 20000 and things aren't going well, now, if we're just talking about math, yeah, if your salary doubled overnight, you could solve some problems fairly quickly, like paying off some debt and making some credit cards go away and get rid of some collectors or whatever. But if you continue with the same consciousness that you had when you make 40, that you had when you made 20, all you're going to do is have a bigger problem. So to answer your question, I would say before you start looking at making more money or hoping or wishing or longing you could get that raise or get that promotion, clean up what you're currently dealing with. And the first thing you would need to do, this is only from my experience, it doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but mathematically it's absolutely certain you need to start paying off the debt that you do have. And the only way you can do that is to stop borrowing money in the first place. You have to, we have to stop creating more of the problem before we can deal with the problem. You know, I find that, that most people, um, many of us, really don't know what is going, what's coming. Well, we probably know what's coming in, but we don't know what's going out, how much we owe, what our interest rates are, um, and yeah. just a good number of things. So to add to that, um, you have to sit down with yourself and your stinking problem. You have to get um, a glimpse. You have to understand what's coming in, what's going out, when and where you are. And tell us about this. Many many people fear even contacting um, the debtors, you know, calling those creditors and, and talking with them. What any advice on that? Any suggestions on if we find ourselves kind of hanging from high? What do we do in those in those instances? How do we get a control get control of something like that? 
Well, you, you really opened the door and you answered most of the question by saying you need to sit down and you need to get it all out. This is kind of like, hey, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a discussion. Let's say Tammy and I are friends and we're arguing and this big thing just got bigger and bigger and bigger. We're just going to sit down and talk it out. That's the first thing you've got to do. And I call that putting it on paper or popping it. Just pop it. You, know, you always have to come up with an acronym so you can remember. So you need to sit down and you need to pop your finances. Put it on paper, whether you're married or not married, or in a, in a dating, living, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. You sit down with whoever is contributing money to that household with a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil, and you draw a line down the center of that piece of paper, or do it however you want to do it. And on one side, you write in all the money coming in, net, of course, after taxes. This includes job, child support, alimony, whatever it is. You put that on one side, and then on the other side, you put in everything that's going out. And everything that's going out is usually the part where we have a problem, Tammy, because we're like, let's say my wife's sitting across the table from me, and we've agreed to do this, but I've got that secret little credit card that I've been hiding from her, and she doesn't know about it. And we're looking at the math going, there's about $150, $200, maybe $25 a month in here somewhere that we can't seem to find. And then I'm sort of back into a corner, and now I have to really open up and admit that I've been hiding something possibly. I'm not saying everybody does that. And I think that's one of the reasons why most people are a little leery of that because money is used to control people. It's used as a tool of leverage in relationships, unfortunately. And to, to, to really sit down and write everything down and show everything coming in and going out, most people don't want to do that because when you do that, it's kind of like, when you are in a still, quiet space and you're what some would describe as meditating, it's just you and whoever your creator is. There's no more excuses. There's no place to hide. And that's what this sitting down and writing it all on paper does. It gets you into a place where you can't hide anything anymore. And most people, they say they want to change their money. They say they want to get out of debt and clean it up, but they're really not ready for that step. So let's move to the next level. Let's say they're ready. Greg, I'm ready. Tammy, I'm ready. Let's get this thing going. We're sitting down. We're coming into agreement with all the wage earners in the home. Now, if we're talking about a teenager making spending money, that doesn't count. But the teenager needs to be having this conversation. And we've decided to do this. And we do have some collectors maybe or some people that are calling us and we've been hiding from them. We've been avoiding them. What we've got to do first of all is find out how much money can we give them Let's say it's a $300 collection, Tammy, and we just don't have the money, and I've been there. Even, even $10 a month is going to make a difference between you know, me being able to buy some food or some diapers or whatever, and I just don't have it. We figure out what we can give them, no matter how small the amount is. And once we know what that number is, we call these people, and we face them diplomatically. We face them with courage, and we act like a human being, even if they bully us and they act ugly. And most of the time, when you come from that space, you're going to be really, really surprised how these people will react to you when you face them and tell them, I want to pay you, but it's just going to take some time. Okay. Okay. How do um, – well, let me, let me ask you this. Sec- and, and for our listeners, feel free to jump in, select the number one anytime you have a question or a comment, chat line as well. How do, how do you feel – what's your opinion on – 
second jobs. I hear people that they want to get a second job, but then they find themselves at the at tax season having they feel like they've worked and in, and now have to pay back more taxes. What are what is your opinion or suggestions on that? Um, I've done that before. In 06, when my wife and I got serious and decided to stop borrowing money and start paying off debt, the first thing I did was, you know, of course, change the way I handled what I was making on my normal job. And then I said, hey, this isn't moving fast enough. I need to bring some more money in. So I started cleaning windows. I created a little, just a tiny little window cleaning business to make some extra cash. Now, I took most of that cash and I prepaid my debt. That's a good thing to do. But if we're sitting down and we're saying, okay, we're moving this forward, we want to make some progress, should I go get a part-time job? Just need to sit down and think about it. Even now, today, Tammy, after having done this since 06 and still doing it, I still get tempted to go to Craigslist and go, man, I just need a, I just need a part-time job. I just need to make an extra couple hundred dollars a month. And then I catch myself and go, do you really want to spend the time and the energy and the extra taxes that you're paying to take that second job? So my answer to the question is it's going to depend on your situation. Are there kids in the house? Are we dealing with we don't have a babysitter? You know, you have to look at all those things. But I think overall I would say if you're thinking about a second job, you need to ask yourself honestly, are we currently handling our normal full-time job income and finances absolutely to the best of our ability, and we're being honest about that question when we answer it. And if the answer is yes, and you know that a part-time job will speed up the process of paying off the collections, getting out of debt or whatever, then I would say look at that part-time job. If it makes sense and you're netting enough income after gas, taxes, and any other expenses that would go out, then, then do that if it makes sense to you. Okay. How um I think we have a caller. Just just one second here. Okay, we're pulling in a caller nine oh one with the last four digits zero six six eight. Caller you're on the air with us. You have a question or a comment? Yeah, what if you're single and you just got one income coming in? And after takeout, after takeout, you're not bringing in no more than between nine fifty and maybe a thousand dollars every two weeks. And you're studying trying to help donate here and there, and you want to stop donating because you need the money. What kind of decision that you think I should make? And when you get in there, you just feel like you've got to help these people, and you can't pull away. What is the answer? Give me an answer because I really need one. I think that, Greg, I'm, I'm going to give you that, turn it over, but I think that goes to your your spiritual and psychological. Um, but, Greg, can you help her with that? Yeah. it's um, First of all, thank you for calling in. This is a, a pretty common question, actually. Um, I have a lot of church friends, and there's a lot of different, you know, ideas and opinions and feelings about tithing and giving and, Is there a difference? And none of that really matters in this particular question. For me, and I can only speak for me in my household. I can't speak for anyone else. Just like Tammy said, it depends on your psychological, your spiritual, and whatever those things are for you. But the bottom line for me is this. If I am financially struggling, 
and, and it's maybe a problem with me. I'm, you know, I'm really am struggling. I'm working. I'm doing what I need to be doing. I am going to donate and give and be and do for my household first and foremost before I give to anyone else in need. And that's just me. But it took me some time to get comfortable in that place. I struggled with that. Um, most people can't get there very quickly. Some people get there faster. Some people get there slower. That's a decision that you just have to make deep down inside of your heart and in your soul and decide if you're doing um, something that is working for you or if you're doing something that's not working for you. That would be the best way that I could answer that question. Okay. Okay. Any other questions, comments on that, on his answer? No, Caller? I'm Okay. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for calling. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you all. Okay. And Tammy, I just want to add—I just want to add on the um, on the tail end of that question. That is a very powerful question, by the way. And if you're still listening, um, I want to thank you for asking that question because this is probably one of the biggest areas that people struggle with when it comes to money. Because we have money over here in this box, in this little separate world that we live in, and then we have our spiritual leanings or our religion or whatever the case may be, and we have the, those over in another separate box. The biggest part of what I teach people is, is these things are not disconnected. They're actually all the same thing, and that's an area that's really tough to, to deal with because you know, our religion or maybe our upbringing tells us one thing, but our physical reality of the bill paying and putting the bread on the table is completely different from that, and that's a tough place to be. So me, I take care of my family first, and if there's anything above and beyond that, then I give, and that's just me. Okay, yeah, that was a great question. I, I do agree with you. I think many people fall into that category, especially with, with tithing and so forth. Um, and, and even with tithing, I just want to say, you know, it says give with a, with a cheerful heart. Well, at least that's my partake on it. So often we give things, um, and there's, I don't feel blessings come from when you're giving with, with worry, with um grief and so forth, because if, if you don't have, you just don't have. And, and sometimes you're giving where those you're, you're hindering some people from doing what they need to do for their financial stability. So Absolutely. Um, it's just so much into that, to that question. We probably could have a show on that alone. So, yes, we could. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you about, um, have you heard of, like, the envelope system and things like that. There's several um, things out there, such as the envelope system, and I know a number of people that have attempted. Are you familiar with the envelope system? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dave Ramsey lives about 40 minutes south of here, as you well know, in the Nashville area. So, yeah, and, of course, okay. it predates him from somebody else. But, yeah, I, don't, I totally get that. Okay. How does one, if particularly if you're in a situation to where you want to do the – because I think it's a great system, especially for people, families, to work together. Um, but how do you do that if you're already in a situation to where you, you're, you're overwhelmed with your debt? Say, for instance, if you're, you're behind on some things, how, because the envelope system, you, you put funds in there for the following month, right? You kind of set yourself an allowance for this, that, and the other. But how does one do that? Do they just bite the bullet and say, okay, we're going to start this month and we're going to make it work, and does it get better? 
or or what? Because that just kind of seems far-fetched to people who are struggling. Well, the first thing we need to understand is, is the envelope system is a tool. And what that tool was designed to do was to teach you how to discipline yourself in the area of your money. And all that means is, is what I'm doing right now is not working, and I'm going to use these envelopes as a tool to create a different habit to change the thinking in my mind. Everything that we're talking about right now, Tammy, and everything that we're going to talk about, as you well know, up until the time you close the mic and the show ends, has to do with transforming our minds. And how many times have we ever heard that old scripture? If we're Bible readers, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I am not a religious person. I'm not a churchy kind of a guy. But there's a lot of wisdom in there. This all starts in your mind. It has nothing to do with our boss, nothing to do with the economy, nothing to do with our ex-spouse, nothing to do with that damn husband who's a sorry deadbeat who won't send me those checks that he's supposed to be sending me. We have to take full responsibility and say, I'm done. I want a better way to live, and the envelope system is a great tool and a way to get started. But if it's a mess, don't let that stop you from using the envelope system. Keep using the envelope system. It's going to keep you on track. That's one tool that can help keep you on track. You know, what's going in there? It's going to give you the structure that you need if you've lacked it in the past, no matter how big or how little your debt is. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, it does. It does. So just start it, do it, and if it's working, continue it. Continue doing it. Yes, okay. absolutely. And here's, here's the thing. I have been in my life guilty in past years of wanting to just read about and talk about stuff. Read and talk, read and talk, read and talk. Well, guess what was missing from that equation, Tammy? The doing, the action piece. What releases everything in this 3D world called life, there's no way around that. So read yes. Talk, yes, but more importantly, just do. So I would say instead of ready, aim, fire, I would say ready, fire, aim. Just, and I'm just using the gun as an analogy, just shoot and correct your aim as you go along. Stop worrying about everything needs to be perfect before I get going. Just get going. Just get started cleaning up something in your finances no matter how small it is. You know, Greg, I think that is powerful because I think a lot of people are in that situation to where, like you said, they read, and this is not just for money. This is applicable to life. They they read, uh, talk, but very few do those act take the action yeah. to, to to process whatever it is, whether it's debt or whatever it is. So we have to do. Um, I read something else. Money is about exchanging energy. Can you kind of give a little bit more on that? Yeah. And this, this gets into the deeper level of the psychology and kind of the spiritual aspects of money. Um, and that's one of the bigger things I try to do is to take sort of the 3D part, meaning life, meaning the bill is due in two weeks and I don't have the money. That's the 3D and take the spiritual part of it, which is what's, where is it really coming from? What is it really about? And I try to blend those two together and show people that they're connected. Um, money is nothing more than energy. If Tammy and I come to an agreement and Tammy says, Greg, I have something I would like to sell you that you need, and let's say I truly need that thing. It's a physical object that I need to do something in my house. And Tammy has the best one on the market, and it's high quality, and I like it, and I've seen it, and it works. And she says, 
whatever it is, $50, it doesn't matter. We come into an agreement when we're talking with one another. The piece of paper that I hand to Tammy to buy that thing, all it is is a representation of this energy that we've exchanged between the two of us. And you say, well, no, 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 Greg, the energy was from when you went to work and you put in the eight hours to make the $50. You're right. That's another part of the energy because you've got to get out of bed, you've got to go to work, you've got to do something, whether it's mental or physical, and then they give you this piece of paper. So ultimately, all money really is, Tammy, is a representation of your physical, mental, and spiritual energy that you exert to actually get those pieces of paper to trade with other people. Okay. Okay. Great. We have a question um, or comment. I'm going to pull this person in, and I'm pulling in um, Anthony. Are you online with us? How you doing? Yeah, how you doing, Tammy? Good morning. Fine. How are you doing? Thank you for tuning in. I'm great. Thank you. Can you guys hear me okay? Because i got my earpiece on. Yep, we can hear you fine. Oh, okay, cool. Good morning, Greg. How are you, Anthony? Great, no problem. Um, I have a one question and then maybe, a, I guess, a couple of comments. But um, I hear you speak about the spiritual side of money, and you just spoke about exchanging um, of energy when it deals with money. And I, and I 100% agree with But for those callers, even from the young lady that call who seems to be in a rut and really be frustrated and really seems to be at a low. For the people that are just really down and out, um, who continue to maybe um, practice their faith system, whatever that be, but they still keep seeming to find that roadblock, um, can you be more specific in the details of the spiritual side when it deals with money for those people? Yep. I understand yeah, and understand, but a lot of these people, yeah. they really can't come to that concept. Okay. Um, I'm going to be really, really blunt right now. Okay, This is one of those times when I'm, I'm not going to be nice. I'm just going to be really blunt. If we're talking exactly. about just flat out putting bread on the table and it is not happening and all this fluffy talk that Debt Shepherd's going on and on about the spirituality, I don't want to hear any of that, Greg. You need to show me how to solve this problem. There's only one way that if you have a financial problem that you can't solve and the problem is there isn't enough coming in, you need to make more money. That means you either need to get another job to bring more dollars in or the job that you currently are working, you need to make more dollars per hour. That's the first answer to your question. The second answer to the question is simply this. I would say this to anyone listening with absolute no hesitation. If you are going to any type of the church and you're struggling financially but you're giving 10% of your income, just simply ask yourself, what would my life be like if I took that 10% and applied it to cleaning up my finances? I can't answer that question for you, the listener out there. Only you can. I'm just asking you to explore that. And if you were to explore the idea of taking the 10% and not tithing it to your church and cleaning up your own finances, know that it's only for a season. Okay? Yeah. That getting out of debt is a temporary situation. Once you get back stable again, you could continue to tithe if you needed to. We need to take a long, hard look at that because what we have is we have a society of people in this country who are suffering financially, socially, and spiritually, yet they continue to give their money to all of these organizations, whatever they may be, and it just doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Great answer. Great. And I just think some people need to just at least hear that, just to be yes. attentive and aware of that 
of that um, situation because a lot of times when, you, when you're dealing with these faith systems or organizations, they put so much pressure on you if you're not able to. So I think we need to have voices like yourself and, and, and me and Tammy to just let know that there's other options besides that. And um, yeah. one comment I want to add, and I'll let you guys go. This is an outstanding show. Thank you for having it. Um, but I believe what has, helped, what has helped me is the idea of investing in myself. And like you kind of said, start now. No matter what you have or what you don't have, the most important thing is just to start now and don't put, put, put off in it. And a lot of things that I used to like to say to people, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, why would anybody else invest in you? And my prime example of that, if you go to a bank, even if you have great credit, and, and you ask the bank for a loan for $10,000, and the bank simply asks you a question, well, what have you saved yourself? And you tell the bank absolutely nothing. Why would they invest in you if you haven't even invested in your own drink? Yep, absolutely. And you know what's awful so, about that, Anthony? It, it's mm-hmm. called common sense. Yes. Yes, you're right. And it took me a long time to understand that part. It took me a long time to realize, like, that makes sense. Yeah, I may have great credit and this and that, but if I'm not showing whoever I'm asking to invest in me, say if I'm not even investing in myself. So we all have to just sit down and analyze where all our money is going. And I mean, even when it comes to, like, dollar menus at McDonald's, you have to get that grimy with it sometimes. You have to know, like, should I even buy this $5 worth of food? You know, you have to. it has to come down to that, especially if you know you just went grocery shopping, because I, I can really get deep with this. I know a lot of people sometimes go to Walmart, spend almost a hundred and some dollars on food, but don't feel like cooking all of a sudden, but then run to the dollar menu and get about five or ten dollars worth of food. That right there yeah. is a waste. So those are the yeah. little things that we have to think about and I'm and I'm saying this because I used to be that person. I would go to the grocery store, spend two hundred dollars worth of food, didn't feel like cooking, so then we'll go run out and get me ten dollars worth of food. That makes absolutely no sense. And then it adds up at the end of the month. Yep. And the, I think the other thing that, that's really, really important, and, and Anthony, you, you sort of, um, I'm in this space. I can feel this, this whole question of I'm supposed to give money, and, and that's what God tells me to do. And I'm not trying to steer this into that conversation, but let me use a real simple analogy. Let's say uh-huh. I step out on my porch, and Anthony lives right next door to me, literally in the house next to me. My house is engulfed in flames. And Anthony's house happens to be engulfed in flames. And there's only one hose in my front yard that I can use to put out the fire. I, I'm sorry, Anthony. You're my neighbor. <laughs> you're my brother. You're, you're a creature of God. I love you as a human being. I'm putting out my fire before I put yours out. And that's, that's <laughs> the only analogy I can use when it comes to giving to the church. You have got to deal with your own household before you start giving money away. I don't care what anybody tells you. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll let you guys go, but this is an outstanding um, show and conversation. I just wanted to add those things, and I appreciate you, Greg, taking the time on a Saturday morning to share this because um, this is a in- energy and information that a lot of people are struggling with. I used to struggle with it. Um, yeah. I still have my challenges with it, but I can say over the past year and a half, like my whole thought process and the things that have been coming in financially have been overwhelming. And you know what it did? It started spiritually and it started with my thought process, and then everything yep. else, you know, started lining up. And a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that, 
And I didn't want to acknowledge that, but we really have to. If you really want to change it, you know, just for the call, the young lady that called in early and the caller that's listening, and I understand a lot of people don't want to press one and talk about this because this is almost as touchy as talking about religion. But if you're listening, you know, you want to talk about it off the air, I'm sure Greg would be more willing to give you some sort of contact information, and I would too, and Tammy would too. So that's it, y'all. I'm going to let y'all get it because I'll be all day. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Anthony, as always. Thank you. If you want to come back in, just let me know, okay? Okay. Okay, thank you. We do have another caller. I'm going to pull in pull a caller in, and I did not tell you guys, but I'm going to identify the call by providing the area code that you're calling from and the last four digits. I am pulling in, um, well, I think, no, I'm sorry. We have, that's, Greg, that's you. I'm sorry. Your number actually switched over. Right. Okay. <laughs> we're good. I had you from your 615 number. Okay, so we're yeah. good there. I do have another question, and for you for you guys, do get get your questions in, comments in, because if you if you're listening this morning, then you apparently want some change. Something's going on. Um, so don't listen and not get your questions and comments on with us or out there because there's there's no crazy question. The only crazy question is one that's not asked, especially if you're listening and have a, an opportunity here to gain some knowledge. So get your questions in, um, Greg. When what are your thoughts on bankruptcy for at this day and time? When does a person consider it, or do they do they not? Um, this is another area that I had to struggle with, especially in my teaching. When I started teaching this in '06, uh, personally, I've never filed a bankruptcy, but I do know people. Uh, some of them I went to church with. I have filed. I know some people in business that have filed. Um, the answer to that question is really it depends, because the biggest thing when I believe if I were facing a bankruptcy, the typical thought process is this is going to devastate my credit score. And what we're doing is, is we're, we're standing there going, okay, we have a problem, whatever caused the problem, whether something happened out of our control and we're facing a bankruptcy, and that does happen, or we're facing a bankruptcy because we just blew it. You know, I don't know the answer to how you got to the point of a bankruptcy, but the typical thinking is this is going to destroy my credit. And my question is simply this. Why is that such a problem? And I did, it, I did an episode, I did a podcast episode many months ago called Bankruptcy, What Are You Afraid Of? And I wasn't telling people to file. What I was telling people is, is your credit score is not who you are. It is not you, the human being. It's just a number that shows people who want to lend you money what your past behavior was, Keyword being past behavior. So if you're going to think about filing, I would get in touch with someone who you know personally who has filed, who had a positive experience with the attorney that they used, and explore it from that aspect if you're thinking about it. Um, but if you've, if you've got – there's different, different people will give you different numbers. I had a cousin, for example, many years ago who had maybe $2,000 worth of debt from stuff he had bought from Fingerhut online, and he filed a bankruptcy because he was just too damn lazy to pay the debt off. Just take a hard look at that and ask yourself, you know, can I do this? Is, is it big? Is it little? Is it insurmountable? Is it crushing? All of those are factors in your decision. Um, but, and I'm going to give you a recommendation to someone who I know, um, not at a deep personal level, but 
really the only person that I would recommend to as far as teaching if you're considering a bankruptcy, and her name is Paula Languth Ryan. And this is one of her areas of specialty, and she's written some of the best stuff that I've read on it. Um, Paula Languth, L-A-N-G-G-U-T-H, Ryan, R-Y-A-N. You can Google her. You can find her on Facebook. You can go to her website. I'm, I'm not affiliated with her. She doesn't even know I'm plugging her. But if I was going to start anywhere and I've got some of her literature myself, that's who I would start with because she handles the 3D part of it, meaning the bread and the butter on the table and the spiritual aspect of it, and she blends them together very well. Okay, okay. Um, Greg, will you give the name of the book? Was The book that you gave out earlier, the, was it the, cre- the Creature from Jekyll Island? Was that the name of the book? That's the name of the book, The Creature okay. from Jekyll Island. Absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. Anthony wanted to hear that again, and I don't know if we answered his question. Okay, what do we do about saving? It, do we always try to at least put something back for our saving or into our savings for us, regardless, or if we're, you know, down pretty low, do we just take that off of the list? Yeah, what I would say is, let's say, for example, I have a $1,000 credit card that I'm just I'm sick of it. I, I just want to make it go away, right? And I look at all my numbers, and I'm like, I know I can do this, okay? It's doable. Whether it's doable in six months or five years, the, the, the fact is it's doable. I have made the decision to pay this credit card, and I'm sitting there saying to myself, okay, I got $2,000 in the bank. I could pay this credit card off in one lick if I wanted to. What do I do? The question is, it depends, okay? If that 2000 in the bank gives you a feeling of psychological comfort and it gives you a cushion that you may need if the car breaks down, if Junior breaks his arm and needs to go to the ER, if something happens and you need that 2000 then I say, keep the 2000 in the bank. Um, but if you've got that $1,000 credit card and you're like, I really need to save some more money to pay this thing off, it's real simple. You sit down and you look at all the money that's coming into the house after taxes and you make a decision based on looking at what's coming in, looking at what's going out, and you decide how much of that money every month can you fairly comfortably put away and not touch. Okay, and when I say fairly comfortably, if you're making $80,000 a year and you have no debt and you're blowing every dime of it, then you can comfortably put a hell of a lot more money into savings than somebody who's making $20,000 a year and is feeding two or three kids. You catch my drift? So we, right. you know, we don't want, we don't kill ourselves. We're, we're not here to torture ourselves. We need to make a decision, a personal decision, on what we are comfortable saving. And I will tell you from my own experience, whatever that number is, just stick with it, and you'll create a habit. I get paid. I go online to my banking online. I have the ability to move money out of my saving, out of my checking, which is where my check goes into my savings. I can do that every two weeks religiously. You can actually put it on autopilot, and the computer will do it for you. So the answer to the question is, if you decided to save some money for whatever reason, just get started, even if it's $10 a payday. If you've never saved before, 10 is progress. If 10 is comfortable, do that for a couple months. Increase it, and you'll find your comfort zone. You'll go, wait a minute, 50 is a little too spicy for me. I don't have enough of that comfort to be able to pay these few bills. You'll find that comfort zone, and once you hit that comfort zone where you feel like you're stretching a little but you're not killing yourself, stick with it. And you'd be surprised at the end of the year how much money you'll end up with in the bank. It's amazing. Yeah, I want people to really hear 
that you've you've said habit, create a habit several times here, and so often people don't think about finances, debt, and all that. They don't think about the habits that we're just used to um, when it comes to our finances. So it's it's very, very important. I want people to, to really hear that. You've said that a few times about habit. So um, I just want you to throw that out there. Um, the line... I didn't mean to cut you off. There's something no, very important. You just, you just dragged it out of me. This is really big. And if you're listening, I hope this strikes a chord in your mind and in your heart. It's, we're talking about these habits, okay? Let's say, for example, and we all do this. Let's say, for example, I look at someone who appears in my estimation to have a lot of money. That lot of money is different for Tammy. It's different for Anthony. It's different for Greg. It's different for my neighbor who lives five doors down. You define what a lot of money is. And let's say I look at that family and I go, those people have a lot of money. And let's say I secretly resent those people. We all do this. We all do this when we go, those people are lazy. Their dad gave it to them or their granddad gave it to them or it was handed to them or whatever the case may be. One thing you need to understand is if those people think differently about money than you do, okay, if someone's making and doing and having and being what appears to be more in my estimation – I can judge them, and we all do this. It's part of the experience. You have to understand, rich people teach their children differently about money than poor people do. And there's only one way you can change the way you're being taught about money. If you're not a kid anymore, self-education. If you have children, you need to educate yourself first, and then you need to pass that on to your kids. Because whatever you're doing in your finances, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, your kids are watching. I don't care if they're a day old or 10 years old. They're paying attention, and they're learning from you. Exactly, exactly. Gosh, I wish I could just hit repeat on um, everything you just said and just have it go over and over and over again. I'm hopeful that people yeah. go back and listen to this show again. This is one that you want to just kind of go back and listen to because, again, habits. We have to change our habits when it comes to um, our finances. Now, this one, uh, Greg, we're, we're, I was going to try to keep the show under an hour. We probably have about 15 more minutes. Is that 10 minutes? Is that okay? Do we have some more time yeah. to go? Okay. Absolutely. You talk sure. about the money mafia, and you, you, you talk about telling us who our daddy really is and how this may not be all of our fault. Can you just talk a little bit on that? Uh, you're, you're a mind reader, Tammy, and I'm not just saying that to flatter you because I was going to try to steer the conversation in that direction. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is the bottom line. I'm just going to be really, really just a regular Joe here. Okay, I have a lot of conversations about money on, the, on radio, and I talk to a lot of people of color. I talk to a lot of minorities. That just happens to be what I happen to do. I'll talk to anybody about money, but by and large, I tend to talk to people of color about money. I don't know why that is. I don't care why that is. I will share this with anybody that wants to hear, but I will tell you this. If we're going to sit down and have a conversation, two people of color, two people of minority, two people of like whatever, and we're going to say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being pushed down and held down and beaten down and deprived by whoever they are or the man. Or You can describe it in a million different ways. I'm here to tell you, you are not special in your oppression when it comes to money. This system was built in a very specific way. And by the way, who's your daddy happens to be the Federal Reserve Bank 
December 23rd of last year, which was just a week ago, they turned 100 years old. This system was built so most people, and when I say most, I mean a high 95% or better of the people in the system do not win and spend their entire lives struggling and trying to figure out why they're not winning. So you're not alone. You didn't build the system unless you're more than 100 years old and you were part of that group of people who created this thing. None of us are that old. You, you are not the reason why the economy is the way that it is, but you can change your economy. And when I say your economy, I mean, does it really matter what's happening on Wall Street? Do you really care how the peso is trading against the yen, is trading against the Deutschmark? No, you don't give a crap about any of that, and neither do I. The only economy you need to worry about and that Greg and Tammy and Anthony need to be worrying about is their own economy in their own house, and you can change that by deciding, if you choose, not to do business with these people because they are criminals. There's no other way to say that, Tammy. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. There's just, there's just no other way to say it. There, and you know, here's the thing. It gets back to the drug dealer. I have a lot of these conversations, too. Most of the time, we're like, man, that dude needs to quit, quit peddling marijuana and crack and all this other thing to the kids in the neighborhood. You're right. He does need to quit doing that. But you know what? What if we could teach our kids to quit buying that stuff? That guy would leave in a heartbeat if people stopped buying from him. So the money business is no different. Just stop playing their game. And the only way I know how to do that is to unplug myself one little piece at a time, pay off one debt, pay off the next debt, save a little money, quit going further into debt, all these little pieces, and you wake up one day and you go, you know what? I decided to change. Because the Federal Reserve is not going anywhere. Okay, title pawn shops are not going anywhere anytime soon. I'm sorry, but I have to say that. But you can decide whether you want to participate in that game or not. And it really, Tammy, it really is a game. That's really all this economy is. It's just a big game. Okay. Okay, now this may, uh, I don't know if you want to get into this, but I also saw somewhere um, – in searching and reading on your postings, the bit, and I may say this, Bitcoin, am I saying that correctly? Bitcoin? Yeah, Bitcoin, yep. Huh? What is, tell us about that. Uh, basically what Bitcoin, yes. mm-hmm. in, in a, well, Bitcoin is what's considered a digital alternative currency. And all that simply means is, and, you know, most money is already digital anyway. If we're not talking about physical dollars and coins that we change back and forth to buy things, um, the vast majority of the economy is digital anyway. But the, the Bitcoin is basically an alternative, alternative digital currency that is not controlled by the Federal Reserve Bank, which in, that's one of its good points in my personal opinion. Um, however, the value of that Bitcoin and how it's determined is a pretty deep and broad subject, uh, one that I'm not really schooled up enough on to really be able to give you a decent answer. I personally purchased one Bitcoin about a year ago. I paid $150 for it, and recently the thing went up to $1,000. So it's kind of like a stock, but it's, it's tradable. You know, If I were to come to your website, Tammy, and you said, Greg, would you like to buy X, Y, and Z? I'd say, yeah, I need X, Y, and Z. And you go, by the way, I take Bitcoin. I go onto my computer, like using my debit card, I punch in some numbers, and I send you my Bitcoin, and you accept it, and then we're done. That's kind of how Bitcoin works. Okay. Okay. 
I ne- I've never heard of it. My son is sitting here looking looking at me like, I know about it. I know about it. <laughs> but I've never yeah, heard of it. Yeah. It, it's, it's an alternative, and the reason why I um, have some excitement in the area of, of it being a possible alternative is because the system that we're operating in right now is totally and thoroughly corrupted to the core, and, and I'm not being a pessimist. I'm not being negative. I'm just simply telling you, hey, Tammy, your house is on fire, and you're like, damn, Greg, my house is on fire. I can see it. Once you understand what you're looking at and you see the camouflage that the system has built around itself – you, you, you just get to the point where you don't need to read any more books about how messed up the system is. You know that it is. And I used to fight that and be angry and just, oh, I can't believe they're doing this. The bottom line is I just stop playing their game and I change my own economy and move on with my life. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, song listeners, as we, as I have just one more, I think one more question. So, And for those of you who did call in, just to make sure that you're not – trying to get back in, you want to select one so that you're unmuted, and if you ever want to come back in, you need to select one again because the light stays um, lit on my side. So if you if you want to come back in, select one again, it will unmute you, and then select one, and it will pull you back in, okay? And go ahead and do that now if you're wanting to get back in. Or if you're new, new people, if you want to get in, select the number one. Um, you talk about five steps to financial freedom. Uh, could you give us at least maybe one or two of them? And then for the others, I want people to go to your your, your blog and start reading it. Uh, I think you said you post about once a week, usually on Thursdays. But they can find, mm-hmm. you, you guys, you listeners, you can find out a lot of things there. So can you yeah. give us maybe one or two things? Yeah, the the five simple steps to guaranteed financial freedom, that's just a little audio thing that I put together. It's like 15 minutes long. It's just an overview. I didn't invent it. I'm not a genius. Uh, It's stuff that I've been taught over the years. It's just very, very simple. Um, And you'll find the the bulk of that flavor in a lot of other writings. The bottom line is simply this. The first thing you have to do is you have to do what Tammy said at the very beginning of the show. You have to sit down and you have to put it on paper. That's the first step um, in honesty in, in being forthright with whoever you're, you're living in the household with. Everybody needs to have this conversation. That's the biggest step. Uh, money is purposely um, sold to us as being taboo, something that we should not speak of in our home. If you don't talk about money, it isn't polite. You don't ask people about how much money they make. And people honestly would rather talk to you about their sex and their divorce and the Kardashians and, and Paris Hilton's butt and all these other things, but they're not going to talk about their money because most people aren't really crazy about how they're handling their finances. So get it all down on paper would be the first one. Okay. Uh, the second one, if, if you've taken that first step, you've written it all down, uh, really the second one is um, just have to stop borrowing money. You know, If your goal is to pay off your debt, You've got to stop borrowing money. doesn't mean you're never going to borrow money ever again. doesn't mean you're swearing it off. It doesn't mean you're going to go preach to your friends that it's evil and that the borrower is servant to the lender. We get all that. I agree. Yes, it's there. But all I'm saying is, is once you put it all on paper and you've come up with your plan of attack, you're going to stop borrowing money because if the boat is leaking, you need to first plug up the holes and then bail the water out of the boat or you're going to end up sinking regardless. And I would say, too, and I think we kind of touched on this, stop using your finances as medication. The things, look at the things you're buying, purchasing. Um, 
I know that's something that that I and, and still from time to time, you know, I have to tell myself, um, you just really don't need that. And I was going to ask you a question about some of the things we can use, some of the things that we have to get out of debt. Um, look around your house. What is it that you have not used? You know, sometimes people we need to downsize. We have we, we are living far beyond what we need to be, what we need to live. So um, just a total assessment of self, uh, I yeah, would there's, say. There's, there's a good piece of advice from Dave Ramsey, and, and I, don't, I don't hold anyone up to hero worship. No one, absolutely no one do I hold up to hero worship. But the guy's been in the game a lot longer than me, and he's, he's a pretty smart guy. And he, and he said, you look around your house and you sell everything that's not bolted down, and you do it until the kids are afraid they're next. That's a pretty decent bit of advice in my opinion. You just you need to have a good old – now, it's, it's pretty cold right now. It's January. Most people aren't doing yard sales. But I will tell you this. If you want to sell some stuff and make some, a little bit of money to get things moving, Craigslist is an amazing resource. I use it all the time. Okay, wonderful. Okay, well, Absolutely. I am going to check – let's see. Um, we have some comments out in the chat line, and I don't want to miss you guys, so let me just make sure we didn't have any questions. Uh, thanks for bringing this topic. This is very powerful and needed. Okay, so there was a few other things just kind of going back and forth. But, again, I thank you for listening, and, and I hope that everyone has, has obtained information now go talk about it, whatever, assess it, but do. Anthony has something he calls organized actions. So organize your actions. Do something. Don't listen to this broadcast and, and just leave it there. Go back, take action, do something um, about it. So, Greg, if you don't mind, would you give your information again and any any other information that you want to add? Because we're okay for time. I just don't. I'm trying not to keep people because I could go for two hours, but I'm trying not to keep people for that long. So anything that you want to give, particularly, do give your web, your blog, all of that, all of that information that you have. And I'm gonna just ask. Greg in front of everybody that I want to bring him back again because I feel like there's so much more to dig. I have a whole list of questions here. So, Greg, you have a, an open invite. You tell me when and we'll make it happen here. So you can't yeah. say no because people are listening. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, first of all, it's an honor to be asked to come on your show. Uh, and, and the other thing is, is if you want to go two hours, Saturdays are when I do most of my teaching. So if you feel the need to go two, if you think your listeners will stay with us, I'm more than willing to do two. That's perfectly fine. You can keep asking questions. Uh, if you're out there listening and you're interested in the podcast, it's DebtShepherd.com, D-E-B as in boy, T as in Tom. That's the word debt. And then Shepherd, S-H-E-P as in Paul, H-E-R-D.com. And the word Shepherd, the word Debt Shepherd came from a friend of mine who happens to be a chaplain, uh, a bit of a pastor in his own right. And um, I said, I, I need an idea. I need a catchy sort of a name back in 06 when I got started where people can find me on the Internet. And I gave him a list of a few. And he said, eh, these don't work so good. Here's an idea. And he said, Bet Shepherd. And I said, I need to sit on this for a couple of days because the word shepherd is pretty strong in Christian circles. Um, I didn't want to come across as some sort of a pastor or anything, but a shepherd is actually a teacher. So um, it's just a podcast. Once a week I post. You can consume that stuff on iTunes, straight off of the podcast. It doesn't matter, um, any of those things. The bottom line is simply this. You need to become your own financial guru. 
And here's another big piece of advice I want to give to you, the listener. Stop consuming what is called financial pornography. What is financial pornography, Greg? It's CNN. It's Fox News. It's Money Magazine. It's all of this stuff that's coming at you from the mainstream media because that stuff is glitzy. It's glamoury. It comes in a shiny package. And there may be a little bit of truth in there, but by and large, it's meant to do nothing but go over your head, make you feel stupid, and to really just entertain you. And it's not going to really do anything for you in your, in your practical experience. Okay, okay. I believe we have, I'm going to check here, um, pulling back in from the 901 area code 0668. I call, I have you back on the air with us. Did you have more to share? Yes, just to clear it up, I'm not giving money to families. It's about it's organizations that I that had started their their business up, and I felt like I could help them, and I would donate different things to them. And it's people on my job come and ask me for money, and it's hard to say no. Like he was saying, it's my upbringing, and I hate they brought me up like that. I wish they would have brought me up to say it's all right to say no, even if you need it. Like, I had saved money for my family to give my family money for Christmas, so I had to back off and give them not what I had saved, but the remaining of the money, what I had lend, they said lend, and you never get it back, and when you get it back, you get it back too late. Yes, I have the money to lend the person, but it's my money, like, for grocery or gas money, and it's hard when these people come up to you on your job and say, well, I, I can't do this, I need this, I need this, and, and I know it's in my pocket, uh, in my wallet, and I don't give it to them because I can go home and bake me a potato and eat, drink me a glass of tea, and I'm fine, as long as I know that person over there and those kids are eating. But i got to learn to say no, and it's hard to say no when you have a heart that was raised up like mine. And I think I'm a little too old now to change, but after this this segment, Mr. Greg, who your name is, Greg? I think <laughs> my name is Greg. <laughs> I thank you. Is you Greg? I really thank yes, you because this helped me today. And then some of the people that I donate to, it's not family, it's outside people. Some of the people that I donate to, when they come back and say, "Well, I gave my daughter a three hundred dollar party," then they don't need it. So I thank you all, because I think this really helped me today. And I'm going to go and get my pad, and I'm going to draw a line, and I'm going to write down what's coming in and what I'm donating, and see with this donate that I have that I can have more. So there thank you, you all for, the, for this, this. Thank you all. But it's hard for me to say no, and i got to get that out of my system. <laughs> i got, I got to stop that. i got to get that out of my system. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anything on that, Greg? A lot said in that. That was a good call. I'm glad you called back in. It is important. Um, It's very hard to learn to say no because society teaches us that the worst thing we could possibly do is be selfish. And if you're listening and you're thinking in that terms of it's not good to be selfish, you're taught that it's bad to be selfish, that it's a sin to be selfish, I would simply tell you this. You need to look at what your definition of selfish is. Okay, we all define it differently. I can be selfish and provide for my family first, feed my family first, keep my family as comfortable as I'm able within you know, limits of, of reason and do for, my, for myself. That's being selfish. 
It doesn't mean that I step on people. It doesn't mean that I'm climbing over piles of people that I've used and abused and thrown away because we have this picture in our mind of climbing this ladder and just using people along the way. It's called corporate America, by the way, if you haven't figured that out yet. Hello. You can be selfish and do what you need to do for your family. The word selfish is not a bad word. We just have to ask ourselves, who told me that it's bad to be selfish? And we have to really examine these words that we use and these thoughts that we have. And then, you know, Greg, I think we also have to look back and say, has it worked for the people that have taught me this way, the people that I've learned from, has it worked for them? And then the people that we are giving you know, it, and I, because I can say that used to be me. That used to be me. I, I am, so, I've grown so much in that area of saying no and t- learning to take care of myself. Because what it did was it left me bitter. It left me angry. It left me not again. I was giving people in anger. Like I didn't want to do it. And even after, I feel like I start to dislike the person. And so when you start to work on you, create those new habits, as you talked about. Really deal with who you are, what is going on. Get down to the root because, as you said, it is not the money. It it really is not the money. In most cases, it is what is going on inside of us, how we've been taught, what we've learned, what we've become accustomed to. And once you start to deal with you, you want people to deal with themselves in that same way. You want people to go this journey of transformation and change. And in doing that, you have to say no sometimes because if you continue to say yes, guess what? They're going to continue to give their children a $300 party. They're going to continue to go get their hair done and their toes and their nails every week while you are home filing yours away and buying dollar fingernail polish. You're not helping them create new habits, which means now this person is going to pass this dysfunction down to the child that they're giving the $300 party to. And we keep, we keep feeding this cycle. We keep feeding yeah, it. You know, so it's much bigger than just, like you said, it's not about the money. It really is not about the money. Yeah, and, and let me add, if you're out there listening, let me, let me ask you a question. And you're going to say, Greg, how dare you judge me? How many of you out there listening have grown kids living at home and you're still feeding them and you're still supporting them emotionally and financially because you feel obligated or guilty? And when I say grown, I'm talking about adult children that are fully capable of working full-time jobs and providing for themselves. What could you do with the money that you're giving these grown children? How would your life change if you took that money and you paid your debt off? and you put some money in the bank, what would your life look like? And immediately you may ask yourself, you don't know me, Greg, and you're right. I absolutely don't. And you say, Greg, didn't you say you don't have any kids by choice? You're absolutely right. That's exactly what I said. But I do know this. I don't go around handing money to people when I have need in my own life. Hmm. Wow. And that's a hard hard reality. That's a very hard reality because I personally know people – who keep their grown children at home and, and, and allow them to have their own children. And then we repeat the cycle, as you mentioned, of the grandparents raising the children. This is nothing more than enabling most of the time. Not always. There are certain times when maybe a parent decides to completely walk away from their children, and there comes a time when an aunt or a grandma, if that person doesn't step up, then that baby starves. I get that. That's not who I'm talking to. I'm talking about the parents who have 
enough money above and beyond, and they're just, they're just babying their children. They continue to breastfeed these grown children. You have got to stop doing that because what you're doing is you're hurting the rest of us. You're making it worse for the rest of society. Right. I agree. I agree. I'm going to check the chat line. Um, okay, we're okay there. I've pulled Anthony back in. Anthony, you're back in with us? Yeah, yeah. Man, okay. this, is, this, is, this is amazing. Um, I'm just going off the top of my head because I've been writing nothing down, but for the young lady who just called, um, I think a lot of times for us to receive information, sometimes we shouldn't just say um, you, we should say we. So I'm going to just say we've been where you are. You know, I have done the same thing you have done as far as giving. Um, when someone just knows that you're a kind heart, they're going to always come back. Um, but what I, one thing that keep just keep bringing up is my quote. My quote has been really going kind of viral lately, Tammy. I don't know if you're aware. The couple of last shows, they kept having me repeat it, and I was on a late night show last night um, in California, and they, they wanted me to repeat it. And that is, sacrifice is deadly if it compromises you're happy. And a lot of people don't really see where I'm going with that. And I'm simply saying, if you're compromising your happiness, I don't care if it's your kids, your mom, your dad, your siblings, you're, you're, you're no good to nobody else, period. So, yes, just like Greg just mentioned, it's okay to say, to say no to your kids, it's okay to say no to your mother, whoever you have to say if it compromises your happiness. Now, another example I use with that, let's say um, Greg asked me for $100. And my first thought is that, like, I don't want to give Greg $100, but you know what? I'll give him 20 So I'll say, Greg, well, I have 20 for you because that still keeps me happy. You know, I, I gave him something. I didn't give him what he actually needed, but I gave him something, and I didn't sacrifice my happiness. So those are the type of things, if you really have a giving heart, that you can kind of put in consideration. You know, if you can absolutely cannot say no, I get that. I've been there. I think we've all had that at some stage in life. But just like Greg mentioned, if it takes away from you, really you, especially your family, then you have to say no. It's your obligation to say no. Um, it's not okay to go home and just boil yourself a, a potato when you see you helping somebody else. Nah, it's okay to be selfish in the fact that you might want to add a steak to that potato or you might want to add chicken to that potato. And, and once you start saying no, believe me, these people will find a way. Because I was in that situation with a best friend, and he had a gambling problem, and I would just give him $60 or pay his cell phone bill. And then finally, they would see what I did. The last time he came to me, he asked me. I forgot what he asked me for, but I gave him half of what he asked me, and I also let him know. I said, this is it. I would no longer ever put cash in your hands as long as we're friends. And I hope that don't damage our friendship. And I've stuck to that. I haven't. And he found a way. He's actually got himself financially okay. So they'll be okay. Believe me, they will be just fine. Yep. See, another really thing that I'd like to add. Go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. Another thing I'd like to add, because Anthony's opening up a, a, an amazing door here, when we're talking about someone asking and us not giving and learning to say no, the biggest reason why we're afraid to say no is because we're afraid of being judged we're afraid of being unloved, and we're afraid of being rejected. And I'm going to draw this thread straight to your spiritual connection to God. You're afraid of being judged by your God. You're afraid of being unloved, and you're afraid of being rejected by your God. And there's only one reason for that. You do not think that you deserve to be loved by your God. 
This is all connected. It's the same thing. Money is not separate from your relationship with your God. It's all the same. Whoever your God is, whatever your religion is, it doesn't matter. If you live in India or Istanbul, Turkey or Australia or China, no matter what it is that I think God is, nothing's going to change that. I can't with my mind change what God is. God simply is what it is. You plug in whatever works for you and whatever cultural flavor you want to give to that. But the bottom line is, is everything that we do around money goes straight back to our relationship with our creator. That's right. Yep. That's right. You hit it. You hit it, Greg. And, and people, this again, and this amazing where money can take us because if, if many people have such, and, and people don't realize this, self such a lack of self-love. If you don't love you, who you say your God created, then how do you understand your God? How do you understand who you are because of where you come from? Um, it, it gets so, so deep. And so we go through life trying to have money again feed us this and feed us that and be accepted because I'm going to do this and do that. And you get you get lost. You almost don't know who you are anymore, you know. And there are a lot of people going through this, a lot of people, even with the tithing, with giving and everything. Like you said earlier, Greg, that you are not your credit score. You nope. That's not who you are. But people will get, people will commit suicide, have. They, we know this because of, of debt and things like that. Your life, they will take their own life. You have to love you know, yourself. The interesting thing, Tammy, this is what a credit score is. There used to be a lot of mystery around it. It's not quite as shrouded in mystery as it used to be since the big housing crash and all these other things. It's a little more transparent than it was. This is what your credit score simply is. It's nothing but a number that tells me that you're good at two things, going into debt and paying it off. That doesn't impress me. But we wear it like a chip. We wear it like it's our identity. And this is where we get into trouble because, oh, I have a 720, but you have a 640. I'm better than you. You're just, thumbing, you're just looking down on people is all you're doing, and that's the reason why they built the system the way they built it because they want to perpetuate what is called class envy. And class envy transcends skin color. It transcends neighborhood. I could live in the ghetto and have class envy. I could live in the ghetto and look at the man sleeping in the gutter drinking a bottle of Ripple and judge him and say, I'm better than you. That's class envy. It's no different whether we're in Wall Street or we're living in Nashville. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. Mm, powerful. Greg, I have yeah. a, a comment um, in the chat just saying that, you know, powerful information, much needed. Again, this is from one of our listeners in the chat room, um, Anthony as well. they giving big shouts out to uh, your saying sacrifice is daily if it compromises your happiness. So this has been a great show for, for many, and I'm just so glad that people tuned in as they did on this Saturday morning to listen. I just feel that things are, are being shifted. Um, you know, the atmosphere, people are, are just tired in so many ways. And saying that, I think we do have a caller on, too. So I'm going to pull this caller in. Greg, you're still okay for our time? Absolutely. Anthony, I'm just gonna Anthony, I'm gonna leave you hanging in with us, okay? Okay, that's great. I'm cool. Thank you. Okay. 
I'm pulling on a caller from 662 area code with the last four of 2274. You on the air with us? How y'all doing this morning? We're good. Great, How great. are you? I'm doing pretty good. I just want to just make a comment as far as what was just recently said. I'm not trying to sound silly, but charity starts at home, then it spreads abroad. And I just want to um, ask a question that relating back to savings. Um, how much should one set aside as far as savings goes, you know, based on your income, as far as having a nice little nest egg set aside? What is the rule of thumb or the protocol as far as setting X number of dollars aside per month in order to have that cushion just in case if something unexpectedly happens later on uh, down the road? Yeah, the, the answer is it depends, and it depends on what you're comfortable with, what you're dealing with, and what you're faced with. I'll share a quick story. I went to church with a lady who was a single mom. Uh, her son was probably, I don't know, maybe 10 at the time, and she was struggling with tithing and giving and all these other things and saving because literally every dollar that was coming in, and I mean this woman lived extremely frugally. There just wasn't enough dollars to go above and beyond paying her bills basically. She said, Greg, I really want to give or save, whichever the case was. I think it was both. What do I do? And I said, look, you pick a number. If it's 1% of your net income, you save that 1%, and you do that consistently. And I don't know, six, eight, ten months later, she comes up to me and she says, Greg, I started with like two or three, and then slowly I increased it a little bit. Now, you're going to hear this a lot in church. Well, then, honey, next thing you know, you're going to have ten, and you can put it in the plate. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is you just start with a number. And what will happen is, is your consciousness, your energy will begin to mold itself around that change, and it will become your new normal and your new comfortable. And you look back and you'll go, I can't believe I wasn't putting 2% or 5 or whatever it is into my savings before. And then you'll even ask yourself a deeper question, where the hell was that money going? Oh, now we're really getting somewhere because we're looking within and we're being honest with ourselves. So what you're saying is, is for, if I make $10,000 a month or a, or a year or whatever the case may be, so are you saying I should put 1%, I should set back 1% of my biweekly income a month, or are you saying 1% for the, for, for the annual year? How, however you get paid. If you get paid once a uh-huh. week or if you get paid every two weeks, whatever, however you get paid, it doesn't matter. You just pick mm-hmm. a number and you experiment with it a little bit. You say, okay, look, okay. I'm bringing home. Say you're bringing home $300 a week, whatever the number is, it doesn't matter. And you say, I'm comfortable taking $15 of that, which happens to be 5%. Okay? Okay. And I'm going to stick that over in the mattress, in the, in the whatever it is that you do, and just work with that. Now, there may come a week where something comes up, you need to pay a bill, and 15 is a little too much. Then throttle it down a little bit, or you can throttle it up. But you just, you'll find a, a little place where you're comfortable, but the key is, is you've got to do it on a consistent basis and you have to be disciplined about it. That's the whole thing. Because what you're doing is, is you're just retraining your mind. That's all you're doing. So, in other words, it's what you feel most, it's what you're comfortable with versus, you know, saying, okay, well, the rule of thumb is okay. Because somebody was telling me, well, you know, try to have at least six months of your income set aside in a next egg for saving. So it's pretty much it's whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Whatever you can set aside. Yeah, there, there's a lot of teaching okay. out there that has different numbers, and, and what we get caught up in is, is we're like, well, who's right? But nobody's right. 
all I'm saying is, is you pick a number that you're comfortable with saving every month, and you can play with it. It becomes a game. You're like, shoot, 2% was nothing, man. Let's try 5. And then your wife or your, or your girlfriend may go, you know, 5 is a little spicy. Okay, no, no problem. We'll go back down to 2. And you just, you just keep doing that. And the bottom line is, is if, if you're comfortable with six months of living expenses in the bank, I know a lady, this is no kidding. I had a listener send me an email. I'm not kidding you, almost two weeks ago. And she said, Greg, I could quit working and live for 10 years on the money that I have in the bank. And this woman lives very frugally by choice, by choice. That's just the way she lives. So if it's three months of living expenses, fine. But the bottom line is that three months of living expenses being saved has to start with each paycheck. Okay. All righty. You take, I think yeah, you're saying you just, just start. All right. Just Thank you. Start. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think Greg's saying just for all of our listeners, just start. You have to just start and, cre- and start to be, create that habit because you will see that money in the bank and you will be like, you will want to keep doing it. You will, you will feel like you're accomplishing something, that if something happens, you won't be stuck. So just for our listeners, start. And there's that 52-week money challenge going around that it goes every year where they're just start, you start with a dollar a week and then $2, $2 the next week, I think, and so on and so on. A lot of people are doing that. If anybody's interested in getting that chart, I'll, you can email me and I'll send it to you or, or call me, text me or whatever, and I'll send it to you guys. But just start with something. Let me, let me share a trick with you, Tammy, and I just started doing this because somebody mentioned it to me, and I've, I've been teaching this stuff since 06, right? Somebody said, look, this is how one way, just one way, you can trick your mind to stop thinking, I don't have any money, because you'd be amazed how much time you spend thinking about money. This includes me, by the way. I mean, I'm included. You know, I don't have enough. I wish I had more. I wish I could. We're constantly thinking about money underneath our, 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 our breath. We don't say it out loud, but we think it. They said, look, just take some money and put it in your wallet, but don't spend it. Just keep it in there so when you have the thought, I don't have any money, you go, no, that's a lie. I do have money. So right now, I'm in the experiment. I have $200 in my wallet, right? It's just sitting there. And you may go, well, damn, what kind of cheese are you bringing down, Dead Shepherd? You're making all kinds of money. It doesn't matter what the amount is. If it's 20, if it's a big load of money for you, you stick 20 in your wallet. If 10 is a lot of money, when I was so damn poor financially, not spiritually, but financially, Ten was a lot of money, damn it. And if I'd have put ten in my wallet and kept it in there, it would have shifted my thinking. But I didn't know these things back then. I was in my 20s. I didn't know these things. So whatever that number is for you. I asked my wife one time, Tammy, Anthony, I said, honey, at what point can we get rid of all of these credit cards? This is way back in the day. How much money do we need to have in the bank? And what I was asking her to do is to reveal to me her comfort level of a number. And for whatever reason, the number was $10,000. She said, when we have $10,000 in the bank, we can cut up all these credit cards. I'm like, okay, $10,000. Now, I'm not saying I've always got $10,000. i am not saying I've always had $10,000. A couple of times I've had $10,000, but not always. Usually it's a couple thousand from tax returns or whatever. So you're not talking to a financially rich man here, people. You're talking to a regular dude. I'm just a regular dude. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out a better way to get along and do these things. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. All right. Yeah, and now I don't want to lose our caller, 662. Um, did we answer all your questions? Did we have any? Did you have anything else to, to comment on or questions from 662-2274? Okay, I think we must have answered all his questions. We do have another caller. Cool, great, great
And for those of you who I've taken, uh, who who you've come in, go ahead again for me and select the number one so that you're taking, uh, you're, you're pulled out of queue on my end. So select the number one to pull yourself out of queue. We're bringing in 901 area code, last four, 967, nine, I'm sorry, 9621. Caller, you're on the air with us. Hello, Tammy. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, my name is Keisha. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm calling um, Greg. I really thank you for being on the show today uh, with Tammy. You have really hit a lot of um, topics and areas that, for me, me being a woman, um, I don't know. I know other women that do this, but um, when I get stressed, I have a tendency to go out and and shop. And it's not necessarily shopping for expensive things, but it's just that I have a tendency to go out and just I just want to buy. It's like I'm trying to um, to to buy the happiness. Like I'm trying to just, and and I know that's not a good thing. And I'm not spending a lot of money, but I'm just thinking about that's money that I could have been saving. Like I have a tendency when I go out and do this, I'll go and um, I'll repeat buy. Like I'll have butter in the, you know, in the refrigerator, a whole pound of butter, and I'll go out and buy two more pounds of butter. You know, that's money that I could have, that I could have kept. You know, if I would have just thought about it. And what it makes me think about is the emotional part when you're talking about money. And not only that, for me, because I am one of those people that it's hard for me to say no. Uh, I've taken money and used it as. Um, because people have a tendency to call people that are kind-hearted. They know that you have a hard time saying no. They'll call you and they'll ask you, you know, hey, can you give me this or hey, can you do this for me? And I have a tendency to give. And I am that person that will feel bad if I can't give, but I've gotten better at it. And um, I really don't have a question. I just wanted to say thanks to to Greg and as well as to Anthony for, uh, for, for, for being on the show today and, you really, really, um, you really opened up my mind when it comes to how to look at at debt. And one thing for Miss Tammy, she has told us. Um, I, I'm trying to remember how you said it, Tammy, but basically, um, it was a. I think it, I don't know if it was a question or it was a statement, but basically, would your life be? Would you be happier with more stuff? And basically, people. Uh, we have a tendency to go out and think, oh, I have to have the next, you know, the next new, I'm just going to say a tablet. That's something I've been wanting. I've been wanting me a tablet. I haven't gotten it. Some other stuff has, has came up. But would it really make me happy? Would that really change, you know? And if you look at TV now, the way that the commercials come across, even with the new phone commercials, they act like, oh, this new phone is going to just change your life or this new car is just going to change your life. But in reality, you know, if we if we had a basic phone, it's going to have the same function as if you had that smartphone. Because now all the phones, they all get on the internet, they all do the same thing. But my question, I do have a question. Why do you think people, and a, a lot of us, I don't know if it's because we're consumers or what, but why do you think we feel like we just have to have? The next new thing, because to me it's a it's a waste of money. Because it's just like if you're in a house, your house, I'm in a house, 
I'm, uh, my house is under under $100,000. If I go out and I buy just say a $200,000 house, it's going to give me the same function as this house that I'm in. Why is it that we as people, we feel like we have to have that next big thing? What, what do you think, uh, I mean, how do you think our mentality should change so that we won't have those? Um, I'm not saying that we never want anything new, but I think a lot of it is, we're constantly trying to um, to get the, the next, the new, and the better thing. Yeah. Um, can well, I? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, um, I think the most important thing to understand what you just asked is that a lot of it, some of it, is not our fault. You know, a lot of it is just mainstream. Everything, <laughs> anything that's mainstream, is not by accident that McDonald's, well, I call them Crackdonald's and, and, and Murder King because their food is pretty much not real, uh, don't run ads every 10 seconds. We are visual beings. So what we see is 9 times out of 10 what we're going to do. So when you turn on your television or you're on your smartphone, that's why they created smartphones because now for people who got a little smarter and don't watch as much TV, it's right on your phone. So because we keep seeing these things, seeing new cars every day, seeing new phones every other month, you know, it brings in our, in our subconscious, it puts a seed in our subconscious to say, hey, I want that. I want to buy that. So that's one of the main things. So in, in my book, you know, Life is Outstanding, that I, that I just got through writing, I mentioned that. A good way to center yourself is to avoid these things. What I do a lot, I turn my phone off at least once a day, for a few hours a day and just sit in silence. So it gives me a chance to just come with, you know, come with my spiritual side to get away from the outside world because that stuff will overwhelm you and you'll find yourself just wanting these things for unnecessary reasons. This is the part when you tap into your spiritual and the scientific side of ourselves. So stay away from mainstream commercials. Stay away from your iPhone and your, your galaxies and things of that nature at times because these are the things that's, that's keeping you want to buy more things. And also... On the flip side, this is just a joke or a theory of mine, but I'm convinced that when you buy a new phone, that after 12 months your phone starts freezing up, it starts doing all type of things. I can't. I, I'm convinced that they got a chip in these phones that tell you that you're gonna have to buy a new phone after the after the first 12 months. Because I know I've been treating this last phone like a king, and it still want to act up on me. But I, I refuse. I refuse to go buy another one. I'm just trying to hold on. So I think that's one of the, the key reasons, though, for real. The, uh, and I'd like to – those are great words of wisdom, by the way, from Anthony. Um, and I'll, I'll make a statement, and then I'll um, add a little bit more to it. And this gets back to the media. This is a big area that I teach on all the time. And this is, this is some wisdom that was dropped into my lap recently. It's very simple. Either we create our own program or we become a slave to someone else's program. Okay. So what we're talking about is, is we look at a behavior that we're not real happy with, and we just say, you know, I know I'm doing this. Okay, I'm aware of it. That's a big step. I have to become aware of it. When I was addicted to alcohol in my 20s, I knew I had a huge problem for years, but I wasn't willing to do what it took to take care of the problem. So awareness in itself is not enough. Action has to come. So what we're doing is we're just changing our behavior. I know I'm going out and buying stuff that I don't need. I know I'm doing it. Well, we could sit around and go, why am I doing it? Or we could just simply say, I'm going to stop doing it, and I'm going to do something to divert my attention 
So I sort of get distracted over here on the left side to keep me from going and doing the thing that I don't want to do. So if I get the urge to go to the mall and buy, even if it's something small that I know that I don't need, I have to catch myself before I get in the car to go to the mall and do something else. Meditate, as Anthony said, spending the quiet time, reading a book, doing something to, to basically, it's a circuit that's running in your brain. A habit is a mm-hmm. circuit. Two cells are communicating with each other, and Anthony opened up a huge door when he used two words in the same sentence, spiritual and scientific, because I'm here to tell you they both coexist for a very damn good reason, and you need to understand both of them. But we're taught, oh, no, 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 it's either spiritual or it's scientific. It's either the Garden of Eden or it's evolution. Why can't it be both at the same time, people? Why can't we draw wisdom from all of these disciplines instead of saying it must simply be one? And finally, on that comment, the reason why we go buy stuff we don't need, and I do this too sometimes, and there's only one reason why. It's because whatever I have will never be enough. Now, why would I think that the physical things that I possess are never enough? It's really simple. It's because I think that I will never be enough. And we have come full circle to my relationship with Creator and thinking that I'm not worthy of love. Wow. And can I add one more quick thing, Tammy? Is it okay? Sure. Okay. I remember she mentioned um, about she has a kind heart, and, you know, a lot of people take advantage of that. Um, One thing that I've tried, and it's been very successful, uh, when someone calls you and you know, that it's probably the likelihood of them going to ask you for money or whatever. Ignore their call for like 24 hours because what I found, and this is real simple, what I found is that if it's a serious emergency, like somebody's on a deathbed or accident or something, they will leave you a voicemail or a text message saying, I really need you, you know, it's really an emergency. And then let that 24 hours go by, maybe even 48 hours. They'll call them back and say, oh, yeah, I missed your call. I'm sorry about that. What's going on? Usually by the end, they've already fixed that problem. They've already fixed that problem. Now, I've tried that several times, and they usually say, well, you know, I need to borrow some, but I'm cool now. Try that. Let them start figuring it out on their own. If you don't have the heart in you to say no, that's the way that you're kind of saying no without them even knowing that you're saying no. Right. And, you know, you guys, Anthony, you back up a good point. We, we teach people how to treat us. We, if people know that we are the yes person, we are the people uh, with the good heart, and, and, and rightfully so. We should. There's nothing wrong with having a good heart, but, but everything needs to be in order. Like you said, if my house is on fire and yours is too, it would be crazy for me to run over to yours and, and put yours out first. Same with flying. They tell you if something happens, secure yourself first, because I can't do anything for my child or whoever's flying with me. If I'm not together, and what is happening is most of us is finding out that we're not together, so nothing is together. I mean, I came to that awakening, and I have to do my process every day to stay together. I have to. Re- I tell Anthony, I remind myself, life is outstanding. I'm outstanding where I am now because I realize where I am now, and I want to do something about it to get to the next level, but I have to know my next level. I have to know where I am, where I came from, acknowledge that, deal with it, okay, move on. Greg, I think you said, and I don't know exactly how you said it, but we are not 
not special to our oppression. Am I saying? Did I say that right? You said something to the to the to that state earlier. Yeah, we we look at our situation and and you know we say you know I'm being held down, I'm being held back. It's a certain group of people. You're not special in your oppression. This includes me, uh, Greg. You're white. How dare you speak to me like that? You're damn right. I'm going to dare speak to you like that because we need to crack open these lies and all this garbage that we've all, all of us been carrying around, and just lay it bare. And if there's any truth in there, it will survive the baking sun. Trust me. You are not special in your oppression. I don't care if you're a single mom who, who, who the baby daddy's been gone. It doesn't matter. You either want to change and you're willing to do what it takes, or you're not. I can't candy coat that. And this applies to me, too. I had to have some hard reality discussions with myself especially when it came to getting out of addiction and then later on when it came to getting out of debt. And you just have to look in the mirror and say, it starts and it ends with who I'm looking at. You cannot pass this buck, and you can, you can live to be 90 until you're drawing your last lungful, and you can continue to put your problems off on other people, and you're going to be bitter when you die, I promise you. You know, that's deep because... Well, people, you know, if we, I love that. I'm going to have to stick on that not special to oppression because what I think that does is allow uh, allow us to think that we, it's okay for us to, to, to take on this life because this is what we were given. But so many people have came from oppression and came through it and and lived the life that they want to live. They've embraced their life. They've took ownership of their life and they're making life happen to them, for them, regardless of where they came from, if there was a mom or a daddy in the house or what happened, regardless, they're saying, this is my life. I am not my past. I am not any of that. And I love that I'm gonna, that's going to become a permanent statement. One, one thing I will tell you is simply this. If I were to look out into the ethers of the universe at night and see all of the amazing stars and and the planets and the complexity of, of all of this that who I choose to say is God-built, I certainly believe that something created all of this. For me to sit here and say that that creator spends one-tenth of a second worrying about whether I put 10% of my money into someone else's hand on Sunday is nothing but arrogance. It is nothing but childish arrogance. We have got to move beyond thinking that the world revolves around us and that God is constantly watching us and deciding on whether we're going to be worthy or loved based on what we do. Because I hate to say this, it only applies in Greg Whitaker's life. God is really not concerned with what you do on a daily basis. He's too busy. It is too busy. They are too busy. Plug in whatever works for you. They're too busy being God. They're too big for that. For you to bring this concept known as the creator down into your teeny, my tiny little grain of sand of a mind and say, God is going to punish me or make a decision on a daily basis of whether I'm blessed or not. Did I put in 50? Did I put in 100? God doesn't care about any of that. And you've heard it. God doesn't need your money. God is money. Uh, Throw all that out the window. You have got to scrape this house completely down to the foundation. And you know what? You're not even done yet. You need to jackhammer all of the concrete and the rebar out of the ground, and you need to start fresh. That is my advice based on my life experience. I didn't read that shit in a book. I lived it. <laughs> Absolutely. Woo, man, I should have had him. He needs to, I need to rewrite my Chapter 7 money. 
Damn. <laughs> this, is great. Does, this is great. But, yeah, when I we mean, talk this, about this, yeah. it's energy, powerful energy, and it can, it can pull up the negative or it can pull up mm-hmm. the positive. But here's the place Absolutely. where I got a lot of peace in my life. It's both. Well, you know, money is the root of all evil. It can be the root of my evil if I choose it to be money can bless people. Yes, it can. Well, if I have more money, I can help more people. Yes, you can. It's both. Why can't it be both at the same time? Because if I look at this thing called life from the day that I'm born, which is an amazing rite of passage as a soul, to pass into this 3D world and to experience this thing is an amazing thing that we could call a miracle, yes. But on the other end of that spectrum is the thing that we fear most, and it's called death. This experience is both of those things. We have to embrace the dichotomy. We have to look at the other side of the coin and say, I love and embrace the good and the bad simultaneously and just be in absolute awe of this thing called life. Wow. 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 Well, this, you guys, have been has just been a great, great, great show. Again, Greg, we have to come back and, and just do round two, um, pick a topic and just kind of pick something specific and stick to it. So for those of you who've listened, tell others about it. Send us some topics that you'd like to, you know, finances or, or whatever that we've touched on that we can kind of extend and go a bit deeper in because this went far, far better than I ever expected. Um just never thought that some of the things that we touched on would come from a base of debt. Uh, that alone yeah. should give you a lot to think about, soul searching. See, so, see uh, Tammy, she called me up, Tammy called me up and said, Greg, uh, we're, we're going to have a, a, a marshmallow roasting. Would you like to come throw a couple of logs on the fire? I said, absolutely, I'll come and throw a couple of logs on the fire. Well, then this guy named Anthony, who I didn't know existed, came in with about two really big logs, and he threw those on the fire, and the fire got bigger. So me and Tammy said, we're going to roast some more marshmallows. And then all these other people showed up, and it turned out to be something that we didn't expect it to be. That's the way this absolutely. thing called life works, and it's an amazing thing. It really is. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, absolutely. well, guys, um, then we're, we're at 11.45, so what we're going to do – is bring it to a close. Um, thank, again, uh, Tisha, we still have you pulled in. Did you have any other, any, any other questions or comments based on the answers that you received and comments? I just want to, uh, my only comment is just thank you. I mean, I just have a big smile on my face. I, I thank <laughs> both of you. I'm just, I'm just in amazement right now. Just thanks. And thank you again, Tammy, for bringing Butterfly Evolution. This is just wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for listening, and thank you for chiming in. Okay? Okay. Okay. All right. So what we'll do to bring it to a close, I've posted uh, the information for both of you out there on the chat line, so they have it there. But, but, uh, Greg, if you would... Just one more time, because I don't want anybody to miss that. And you guys do go out and, and read his blogs. Check out thedebtshepherd.com. But just, Greg, give us another round of how uh, they can read your your blog. And then I'll have Anthony tell how they can get your book and your site as well. And then I'll share a few last comments, and we will close it out. And then I will be in touch with both of you. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I podcast about once a week, uh, debtshepherd.com. You can go there. You'll see it right on the front page there. It's nice and wide. It takes up most of the page. Different episode every week, 10 to 15 minutes of just me doing a teaching, a 
occasionally I'll interview someone. Uh, sometimes we talk about money. Sometimes we talk about spirituality. Sometimes we talk about psychology. Occasionally I'll get a little pissed about some politics, but that's pretty rare. I stay away from that stuff. There's too much of that in the world. But by and large, um, I try to bring in the spiritual and the 3D real everyday living experience that we have and incorporate them and just do a real simple teaching. I don't, you're not going to see anything for sale on my website, and I don't say that to try to remain humble. I've tried to monetize it in different ways. I, all I want to do is just put the information out there. I might monetize it one day, but for now, there's no CDs, there's no DVDs, there's nothing of that nature. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, books are an amazing and powerful tool to put into people's hands. Um, and usually if I do plug a book, it's usually somebody else's you know, book that I've read. But check out the podcast. And, and the thing is, is there is no one answer to this thing called money. That's the bottom line. We just have to get away from that and know you're going to carve your own path and you're going to carve your own way. You're just picking up tools along the way as you move along. And Tammy, the Butterfly Evolution, and Anthony, they're, just, they're throwing those breadcrumbs down in front of you. You can choose to pick them up or not. And you may not like the taste of them. That's okay. But keep pushing forward on the trail. Keep moving forward because if you just stand still, you're just going to get swallowed up in all the noise and you're going to stay frustrated. Really thank you so much for bringing me on the show, Tammy. Thank you, thank you. Um, before bringing Anthony, you know, you, you made me think about I didn't ask this question, and we'll save it for next sh- the next show. The U.S. government is a corporation, and you talk about a little, you get a little deep there, so we'll have to bring in, that into our next conversation because you gave out the DNB.com, I think it was, or is. So we'll, we'll, we'll get you on that po- 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 political side as well. <laughs> okay. You're talking near so, to Anthony. Right. Anthony? Hmm? Yes. Uh, okay. Oh, um, my information is um, Anthony D. Collins, www.anthonydcollins.com um, forward slash book. And also you can find all my other information. I also blog every other week, Aggressively Demanding Change. That's on my website as well. Um, you can also um, reach my book at Amazon, uh, on Kindle, at Barnes & Noble. And um, I also do uh, the Anthony and B-Fly show every Sunday at 2 p.m. Central Time on Blog Talk Radio. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash vibration radio. Um, Tammy's been on there several times. She's been a special um, guest host several times, so it's a lot of fun over there. Um, And I think that's about it. Oh, and then just the start of the workshops and the movie documentary that I'm going to do for the book, which is titled Life is Outstanding, just in case you haven't caught that up. Um, the title of the book is Life is Outstanding. It's not set to release January 15th of 2014, but um, the, the pre-order links are available, so you can go and order it now, and they're actually going to ship it to you right away. Um, and that's it. So just look forward to exciting things coming up. Tammy is, is, is graced me with being able to be a part of her life as far as helping me with a lot of things i got going on, so look out for what we got planned for that. And also, to, you know, I appreciate the Butterfly Evolution Show, and that's it. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank you again, Greg, and I will be in touch. Anthony, thank you. And for anybody who's interested in any of this information, you can go back and that you don't have or you lose or can't find. Remember, you can always go back and listen to the archive show. This is one that I truly suggest that you do in your quiet time. Listen to the show in its entirety again. Take notes. Make a change. Organize your actions. Don't just... Listen in to this and not do anything. As, as Greg said, you know, we're throwing out breadcrumbs. 
for ourselves. But if and you won't like, I like how he said that you may not like how they taste at first. And typically, you don't like the process, information, and change, and learning something new, creating those new habits, renewing your mind. It's so amazing how we focus on tidbits from the word. We get so focused on a few things, but we forget about things that really matter, renewing the mind. That is almost like a commandment to me, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because otherwise we cannot do we cannot do what we want to do or live the life that we want to live and deserve. Cannot even love yourself until you renew your mind in most cases. So go back and listen to this show. Share it with someone. Uh, stay tuned for future shows. Um, I've enjoyed this, and again, cannot thank you enough, Greg. Anthony, thank you for jumping in and sharing as well. So that being mm-hmm. said, you guys just have a wonderful Saturday. I am going off to be on, of all things, a hip-hop radio show. I'm going to be talking today on Memphis Radio about transformation, change, life, and all of that. I'll be on from 2 to 3. Um, the show starts at 1, but I'm going to be talking from 2 to 3, so I have to be down there by 1.30, so I'm going to jump off. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. For anyone who's wanting to uh, listen in to that show, it's RadioMemphis.com. Again, www.radio, I'm sorry, Radio-Memphis.com. The number to call in with your questions or comments is 922-5407. Again, 901-922-5407. And, again, I'll be on there from 2 to 3 uh, this noon. Thank you all. Any last words, Greg or Anthony, before we disconnect? Oh, no. Uh, just thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And um, anytime you want to do some more, you you know, you pick the topic and we'll free flow. No, no preemptive questions. Don't be sending me any lists of what we're going to talk about. We just want it to be totally organic and just flow. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that about, about Greg. He said, nope, don't want any questions. Just let's let it go. So, but I'm telling you the next time we're going to get into the U.S. government as a corporation. I want to talk about a little bit more about that as well as it comes to our politics, well, okay, you, and money. You ready. You better be ready. You better be ready. You bring me on the mic. Oh, yeah. About that stuff. It's oh, yeah. Be careful you what know? you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> so I'm asking and I'm expecting. <laughs> okay. Okay. You all have a wonderful And I'll be in touch, everyone. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. All right. Bye. Moment I've been waiting on. And my soul is overflowing with anxieties and expectations. Full of desire. I just want it so bad. So real It's right there Just wanna reach out and touch it Before it all disappears Sometimes It feels like Everything Is passing me by Every now and then It's feeling like my ship has gone and sailed away But I, I gotta be strong Gotta hold on It won't be too long 
Bring it down. If this world is really right. 